Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. If you're joining us again, welcome back. This is episode number 33. I am your host, Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And I got to say, man, my day one is Triple H because we're coming <laughs> off of the TLC pay-per-view this weekend. Yes. And we had some big stuff go down on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live. Yes, we're going to be covering both of those today in a shorter, more condensed format. We've been trying and experimenting some different ways to do this, but we think this might be the Goldilocks. I, I hope so. Uh, this is this is we, we tried one way. We tried the other way. I think. This is going to be the way, Nick. One was too hot. One was too cold. This This is just just right. right. Yeah. Speaking of just right, man, uh, I got to say, we've had a hell of a week of WWE programming. Everything's been really solid. I I haven't really had a whole lot of complaints. Obviously, we're going to break everything down and talk about everything, discuss about everything. We are headed towards Survivor Series. It's four weeks away, and we've got uh, plenty of time to build for what is their pay-per-view where both of their brands, Raw and SmackDown, collide, and you have matches that go across both shows. Right, this is kind of a culmination of the year of wrestling as well. At least starting at, if you want to start at Royal Rumble in January, the the whole year has, it's all led to this, right? The big showdown between the two different brands. Uh, yes, coming off the back of TLC, we, we've got to talk about, you know, what matches are getting set up, right? What kind of feuds do we have going on that are that are gonna, we're going to see develop over the next four weeks as we uh, head towards Survivor Series, you know, a which brands are establishing their superiority first? Their dominance, yes. if you will. Yeah, yes. we ha- we got to talk about that. That was definitely one of the major plot points of Raw this week was the fact that the- we're not waiting to get right into this. We-, we began right off the bat after TLC. The major through line of the next few weeks is going to be Raw versus SmackDown. And you, you were saying... This is kind of like the culmination of the year, and, and maybe from the storyline perspective of the brand split, I would agree with you, but there's definitely some things we're seeing here that are being built in anticipation of what's going to be happening at WrestleMania. I think there's some clues as to where they're going with that that we're starting to see happen, but really to, to be able to discuss this more thoroughly, we got to go talk about Monday Night Raw. Holy shit. We're under siege. It's under... Hashtag... Under siege. Yeah, so the big thing to talk about on this Monday Night Raw is Shane McMahon showed up on Raw and said, oh, hey, you know, I'm so happy to, to loan you AJ Styles for your pay-per-view. And then AJ Styles showed up again on Monday Night Raw in a uh, three-on-three tag team match between Ambrolins with AJ Styles and then The Bar and The Miz. So we had another match there, AJ Styles on loan to Monday Night Raw. But that wasn't all. It wasn't just AJ Styles that showed up. At the end of the show... When Kurt was uh, Kurt Angle, GM Kurt Angle was about to announce the five men from Monday Night Raw that would face five men from SmackDown. As he was about to announce this, out through the crowd comes Shane McMahon with most of the SmackDown roster, and they proceeded to scare Kurt into the back and then chase after him and demolish 
most of the Raw roster. We followed them through the whole backstage, and there was just brawl after brawl after brawl. They murdered Titus and Apollo. They, uh, we saw them go into the locker rooms and take out, you know, m- most of the mid-card guys. Yeah. Uh, but they did take out some bigger guys, like Finn Balor got taken out like a geek. Uh, you saw uh, at the very end, as they were coming back out, uh, Ambrose and Rollins in their shield gear tried to ambush them, and they got beaten down. Right. So they, they demolished most of the locker room. Obviously, notable by their absence. We didn't see Kane. We didn't see Brock Lesnar. Braun Strowman is still driving around in a garbage truck somewhere, right. so we didn't see him. But it's still, they took out most of the Raw roster. And this is interesting because it was like a mob mentality kind of thing. You're watching all these SmackDown faces, heels, everyone beating down, sometimes ex-friends. You know, we saw the, we saw the women from SmackDown beat down the women from Raw. Uh, you know, Becky Lynch beating down former friends like Bailey and, and uh, Sasha Banks. We saw uh, when, when Jason Jordan was shown in the locker room, first person to go for him, Chad Gable. Right. Jumped him. <laughs> uh, you know, and it, it, was some, it was some very interesting dynamics going on here. Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler fighting side by side. And a lot of this, it's an interesting way that WWE is starting to handle its product now, where some of the storyline is, is, is actually being continued or set up on social media and YouTube and online outside of the show programming. You had a lot of the SmackDown stars on Instagram or YouTube putting up clips of themselves talking about it and explaining their actions and saying, oh yeah, we're here to be competitive with Raw. This is us giving the first strike, if you will. So this was the big storyline, big thing to talk about. My question to you is, this was, I mean, to me, this felt really heelish. It was, you know, they they put the fear into Kurt Angle. Uh, they beat down most of Raw in, in what I felt was a very heelish way. Did this feel like a heel move to you? Is this SmackDown and by extension, Shane McMahon or the other, the other way around, maybe Shane McMahon and by extension, SmackDown turning heel? Well, if we're going to pick one to be heel and face, I had always envisioned SmackDown as being that kind of happy place of opportunity, facey yeah, kind right? of place. I would have expected this from from like Raw, right? For the the kind of sure. superstars in the, and Kurt Angle himself over on Raw. It was very lopsided in that sense, but I have to admit, I enjoyed this. I it was it was something that we had not seen at least for a really long time in the WWE was these kind of tactics outside of the ring thing like, an, an invasion, on. a true yeah. invasion. Yeah, it, it was it was an absolutely a true invasion. So other than setting up individual matches and feuds and things like that, we don't get to see this kind of stuff very often. So as uncomfortable as certain parts of it may have been, I ain't mad at it because I was, I was just very, very entertained by it to the, to the point of SmackDown being heel. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that if that's, if that becomes a thing, maybe, I don't know. Is it, what would that, to what end? I mean, what do they do that for? Well, this, this is the thing. So, uh, again, so like you said, I was entertained by this as well. Like this, is, this was a really surprising turn of events, and it was, uh, came out of nowhere, and it was exciting to watch. You know, it was a big brawl, very exciting. But at the same time, a lot of the holes in logic jumped out to me. I couldn't help but, you know, kind of have them be poking me in the back of the head and saying, uh, hey, it doesn't quite make sense yeah. why so-and-so is being so aggressive against someone who, you know, like, why are they They're beating them down so much they can't get up? That's not really a, a facey thing to do. And you had some of their big faces doing some of this beating down. So it would... It was. It definitely felt a little bit weird and uncomfortable to 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 watch in some places, but at the same time, because it was entertaining, I was kind of like, okay, I'm I'm going to go for, it. I'm going to go with it. Fine. Um, there were some some parts of this also that kind of broke kayfabe as well. So if you're that's what I mean, yeah. It, it, some of the the people that are in feuds currently are on the SmackDown roster 
beating down the Raw team at, at, together. Right? Yeah. So there's that was the little the only really thing that stood out to me as if I'm going to be super nitpicky about this. Uh, that the, was the for thing the that most stood out. part. I could I could go with it. Um, I mean, you never really saw. I mean, AJ Styles was in the middle of it, and he's always been kind of. I mean, ever since he turned face, he turned face because the fans couldn't keep him a heel. Right. So he's still, even as a face, has that kind of cocky, I'm going to kick your ass attitude. Okay, so we'll give him a pass. Um, the ones that I was really looking at, a New Day, the same way. Like, they've, even as faces, they've been kind of, you know, the faces that'll, they'll they'll pull the little tricks out every once in a while, or they, they can go a little bit heelish. Right. But there was some people that I, I was looking at and going, why are you involved in this? You know, Bobby Roode, for example, he's super face right now, even though we know he's he's a born and bred heel. Uh, but he's supposed to be a face. But he was Becky, in there beating down raw superstars right next to Dolph Ziggler, who he's currently in a feud with. Becky Lynch is the one that really stood out to me. Okay. Uh, because she is the super, super face in the women's division on SmackDown. And she was just front and center on, on almost everything, being really vicious and... and you know, taking taking joy in beating down the raw guys uh, or girls in her case. Right. So th- there was definitely some element to it where I said, "What does this say about their character? Like, is is this consistent with their character that we've we've been we've been presented uh, up until now from some of these people?" And Shane, in particular, I look at because he was sort of the focal point of it. Um, I, there's a way that you could have told the story with Shane. Uh, where you would understand why he did it. And we'll talk about this when we talk about SmackDown as well, yep. because he addressed it on SmackDown. He addressed his reasons for it. Uh, but I felt like th- there were ways that you could have done it where he has a direct competition with Kurt, and they they touched on it a little bit. They had a, a moment where they were talking earlier in the show uh, about about the AJ Styles situation, and Kurt kind of talked down about SmackDown live in their roster, like, you guys are the B brand kind of thing, and Shane took a bit of offense to it. But Shane said, no, I'd already planned at that point to come in and kick all their asses. Okay. So that wasn't the real impetus for it. You could have made it about the King of the Ring 2002 match where Kurt murdered Shane uh, almost literally because, you know, he put him through two panes of glass. There's blood everywhere and panes didn't break and he dropped them on his head. I thought that would have been a fun angle to take is, hey, remember 2002, Kurt? I do. Gotcha. I do. Yeah. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> Uh, I thought that would have been a fun tack to take, but as it was, the way that it was presented to us, it just felt like Shane was being a dick. He was being a hyper-competitive dick. And unfortunately, and we'll talk more about this on SmackDown, uh, recently, the whole angle with him and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn has been about Sami and KO calling him a dick. We don't want to work for him because he's this tyrant uh, and he doesn't really care about us and he's kind of out for himself. This proves them right in a certain way. So from a kayfabe standpoint, all of the pieces don't really match here. And I, I think they might have just, it's, a, it's not a bad idea to do this. And I, like I said, I was entertained. But there's holes. There's, there's gaping holes in this that it's hard to ignore. Well, if we're just going to run with it, let's talk about, um, A, is this too soon to be doing this? Should they have saved this to, I don't know, a couple weeks before, uh, from now or before Survivor Series? Uh, so that they, it would just be the last heaters of the last couple of weeks leading up to it, uh, and B, what is what is the end game here? Uh, as far as obviously, it's just to build tension, but is this going to culminate into something, or is this just a, a middle finger to the other brand and a, a goading tactic? Well, and that was the that was the question all of SmackDown was: Is Raw going to retaliate right away? Uh, I think I don't think it's too soon. I think it's a smart thing to do to just come out of the gate after TLC, which really didn't. 
I mean, there was no feud coming out of TLC they needed to keep hot. Like, we have to get right into promoting Survivor Series. This was the right time to have something big like this, get everyone talking, get everyone on social media buzzing about it, which they did. The Under Siege hashtag got way over big time. So this was the right time to start that. But that being said, they have four weeks. So there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a long build to this and ramifications from this will, I think, be enough to last us that whole time. They're, they're going to get a lot of story out of this. Yeah. So in that sense, I think it was the right time. Well, let's look at um, the individual matches themselves that we already know about that are on the car. We know the only ones we really know are the ones that are title competitions. Right. So they're going to face off against each other. So this is the other thing that they pointed out on this show. We're four weeks out and they're already telling us what matches that are going to be on Survivor Series. Now, again, these are ones that we would have guessed would be on Survivor Series because as you said, they're title versus title. Right. But uh, so let's let's run down which ones we know of already. Well, let's do ladies first. Uh, we're First off, we're going to have the Raw Women's Champion Alexa Bliss face off against the SmackDown Women's Champion in Natalia. Um, what happened to Mickey? Uh, is this going to continue beyond Survivor Series? Or are we going to have four weeks of Mickey James going silent and then that picks up again after Survivor Series? I wonder because Mickey J- James did come out during Alexa's promo on this Monday Night Raw and kick her in the face or DDT, even that beautiful DDT, DDT and the six right. inch pumps, that was, which was you know, <laughs> a very impressive Mickey. Yes. Uh, but you know, I think that you're going to have Mickey kind of stay in the picture with Alexa just to keep, because you can't have Alexa feuding with Natalia when they're not in the same show for four weeks. Right. So I think Mickey will stick around to be some sort of, some, some sort of Something for Alexa to do for the next couple of weeks, you know, because she's not going to be involved in the other women's match, which was announced, which was uh, the five on five match, the five women from Raw versus five women from SmackDown. The Survivor Series match. The Survivor Series match. I believe is the first one ever. If we're going to have yet another first women's uh, thing happen this year, and I believe it's the first women's Survivor Series match. I don't. uh, I think there might have been a Divas Survivor Series. I'd have to look that up. Listeners, correct us if we're wrong. Uh, Send us a tweet or uh, an email or something. But I believe this is yet another first time. Like we had this year, we had the first women's Hell in a Cell match. We had the first uh, what was Money in the Bank? Money in the Bank. Thank you. And I believe this is going to be yet another. I mean, 2017 has been a big year for the women's division. It's been a big year in general. Uh, Speaking of matches that we're having, mostly their title versus title. Yeah. So currently the Raw men's tag team champions are Ambrose and Rollins. Not that they ever carry their belts around with them, which which (laughs) bugs me. But they're going to be facing off against the Usos in what I think might be the match of the night contender. I mean, that's that's definitely that's got the ability to, to steal the show. We're going to see the Intercontinental Champion, The Miz, face off against the U.S. Champion, which is Baron Corbin at this time. I don't know how I feel about that match. I don't either. Does that seem a little off to you? Um, I, I don't know what to make of it. I haven't really got my head around that booking yet. Well, we got four weeks. I mean, here's, here's one thing. They're both kind of chicken shit heel kind of <laughs> dirtbags. And it's going to be interesting. Kind of. it, it, they're both just going to be, it's going to be a dirty match. Who and, can you get know DQ'd I, first? Right. I'm kind of into that, though. I, I, let's see. <laughs> really? Who, yeah, let's make it a no DQ match. Let's make it, a, let's be serious about it. And just, if it's going to be those two guys, I mean, we'll, we got four weeks to really fantasy book this out, but. Hell, this could be a this could turn out to be a really entertaining match, but I'm not high on it yet. I think you're onto something there. I think if you add some sort of stipulation to it beyond it just being champ versus champ, it could become more interesting. Right now, I'm not terribly excited about yeah. it. The other thing I'm thinking, we got four weeks. I, I will be shocked if we don't see at least one title change hands between now and then. And so now it's just a matter of speculation which title changes hands. Um, I can't imagine the Miz dropping the IC title no. after all of the time they've spent with him with it. Uh, but who knows? 
Baron, could, Corbin, Baron Corbin could easily drop the U.S. title. Oh, for sure. I could totally see that one changing hands a couple more times in the next four weeks. So yeah. who knows? Well, and then the big one, the big one we got to talk about, the WWE champion versus the Universal champion. That means Jinder Mahal versus Brock Lesnar. Jinder Mahal. Jinder, oh. As, uh, sorry, As Kurt. Kurt. Oh, Kurt. Oh, Kurt. You can't say WWE or you can't say Jinder Mahal. Anyway. Jinder Mahal versus Brock Lesnar, a uh, wholly lopsided match, Batman. Well, right. and that was the thing. You had Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar come out on this Monday Night Raw and discuss it. And this is something that this is something that bugged me a little bit. So Paul Heyman puts over every you know, so the theory in wrestling. Let me let me start over. The theory in wrestling is if you make your opponent look good, you make yourself look good when you beat them. Yeah. Right. So one of the things you want to do is build up your opponent when you tear them down. Yeah. That wasn't what Paul did here. Well, he's been doing that all year, and he called that out in his promo was that he did that for Roman Reigns, he did that for Samoa Joe, he did that for Braun Strowman. Mm -hmm. But Jinder Mahal... That's what I mean. Yeah. He even puts it in the perspective of the other guys that have fought Brock Lesnar, and he says, you know, all these other guys, they're they're all legitimate contenders. Who are you, Jinder yeah. Mahal? <laughs> Pretender to the throne. Yeah. I love the modern that modern day Raja. He got the walrus jowls going. Dude. It, and it was this was a very I mean, as all of Paul's promos are, this was a brilliant promo. Yes. It was extremely easy to watch because you're always in the edge of your seat just from how he talks. But I felt this was I I, I question this because he's saying what we're all thinking, which is gender's gonna get run over by Brock Lesnar. He's not wrong there. And everyone already thinks that Jinder is kind of a, you know, he shouldn't be champ. So him calling it out isn't helping the situation. And I mean, I, do you think there's any way in hell that Jinder is beating Brock Lesnar here? Uh, because the titles aren't involved? Possibly. Yes. Really? Yes, possibly. Like, uh, not clean, though. No, there will be something going on. There is a rumor going around that John Cena is potentially going to be involved in this, maybe as a ref. Mm. Uh, so I don't know to what end that ends up. But yes, I could see the Singh brothers getting involved, as they always Again, the, do. The gender finish. The gender finish, right? Sneaky, sneaky distraction. Sneak a coloss in. One, two, three. Is Brock Can you imagine one coloss taking out Brock Lesnar? I, oh, my God. I can imagine it. It, I can't the heat I, yeah oh the heat would be nuclear absolutely nuclear yes the, oh the roof the roof would come off the building and maybe that's something they would want maybe it is I just I, I they I think they want to keep Brock strong for him versus Roman at WrestleMania so I don't know how they're gonna get out of this without gender looking like an idiot or I mean not that he doesn't already but you know looking like a loser and an idiot more than he already does or Brock somehow getting some shine taken off him. I don't know how they're going to pull this one off. I don't either, but I want to I want to step outside of kayfabe for just a second, and there was a lot of promotional stuff that went around over the last couple of weeks as Jinder's been in India doing some stuff and has had an amazing re response. All of the work this year that they've done to bring in the India audience has paid off. He showed up at some of these locations in Mumbai and Delhi and otherwise, uh, you know, there's those play other big cities in India to raving crowds. Uh, super, like we've talked about before, super face on the other side of the world uh, and, you know, big time champion with tons of people showing up and cheering him on and, you know, doing gender chants. And it's it's impressive to see what someone that we think is this super kind of chicken shit heel on this side of the planet, you go to the other side and he j he is representing an entire country. It's it's 
it's really fascinating to look at. Yeah, and it's and props to the WWE for pulling it off. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it's a it, they are obviously trying to make themselves global, but we're only seeing a fraction of what they're actually doing in that sense because they're spinning it for us in a different way. Right. So we're not getting the full picture here. So you know, and, and everyone who talks smack about them having Ginger be the champ and having him look strong against all these major superstars, it's paying off for them somewhere else. You know, we're only seeing the one facet of this. Somewhere else, sacrificing Randy Orton, sacrificing Shinsuke Nakamura, it's working for him. So, mm, who knows? Maybe maybe him looking strong against Brock Lesnar is going to make them big money in other places that we're not seeing the revenue stream where, where, where it's coming from. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, as far as the main match, the whole point, the Survivor Series match. Right. You have the women's matches we discussed before. Uh, we have an idea of who that's going to be on Monday Night Raw. Uh, on SmackDown, we also had the team get put together as well. We have a pretty good idea of who the women are going to be on either side. Right. The men is the one I'm interested in because Kurt got cut off before he announced who the men on Raw are going to be. Mm-hmm. And really, g- given some of the, the matches we know about and some of the matches we can speculate on, like some of the feuds that are building up, there's not a whole lot of guys on Raw that I could see being in this Survivor Series match unless we go some to some interesting places to find them. Like, for instance, I'm going to speculate Finn Balor. Yes. I'm going to speculate Jason Jordan. I'll throw Braun Strowman into there as well. And I'll tell you why he's not going to, why? because we had that whole thing with Kane happen this week. Oh, right? okay. Kane came out and he announced that he, was, he had come back in this horrible promo he had uh, in it the middle of the bad. ring. It was pretty <laughs> awful. Uh, very embarrassingly old school and silly. And Kane came out and he said that, oh, he had heard that there was this new monster in the WWE and he came back to prove that there was only one monster and it was him. Right. And then he squashed Finn Balor. Yeah. To say squash maybe uh, being a bit dramatic, but he had a match against Finn Balor and he beat him clean. Granted, he, he protected Finn a little bit because he gave him three choke slams to keep him down. But it was still pretty much a beat down on Finn. Well, it was an interesting angle, too, because he came out and he gave his promo, and then he's, he, he pulled a brawn. I want competition. And Finn Balor comes out. And, you know... Uh, but do they... Well, hold on a second. Finn Balor is a guy who could be the face of their company within the next year if they push him and take care of him correctly. Kane is... Uh, he is a legend. He, and I all do respect to Kane. But they, and they've done this with Big Show in the past, too, where you can't expect us. We know how old Kane is. We can see in his movement. Now, he moves great for how long he's been wrestling. Yeah. He still moves great. That being said, you can't expect me to believe that Kane is still as much of a credible threat as they're making him out to be. And to sacrifice Finn Balor and his legitimacy to Kane rubs me the wrong way. To what end is to what, what I end? would ask. Yeah. There was no one else that you could have sacrificed to Braun. Some jobber, some jabroni come out there and just bleh. I understand that they want to make Kane look as strong as possible before he and Braun have their little feud and Braun goes, you know, Braun beats Kane and looks like even more of a monster to give Braun more legitimacy. But, you know, I don't, I don't agree with this particular way of making Kane look like, this is definitely a message being sent. Hey, Kane is still a big deal. So you're going to care about it when when Braun beats him, yeah. right? That's basically okay. all this is. Uh, but so, who, did, so who else are you looking at? Finn Balor? Finn Balor. Um, I'm going to say Jason Jordan. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Samoa Joe will come back and be a member. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. Right? And I think that's going to be a nice big... So like I said, we have four weeks to build stuff. I think that'll be a big part of a show in the next couple of weeks is, hey, we had the five... The five uh, 
hey, we have the five men for our team. One, two, three, four. Oh, yeah. And Samoa Joe. Bum, 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 bum. And then SmackDown just craps themselves. Yes. Right? And you bring, you bring back Samoa Joe looking really strong. Uh, I think that could be a possibility. But beyond that, I mean, that's that's three guys. Who fills the other two slots? I think we're going to find out over the next few weeks. Well, obviously, but I mean, oh, yeah. I, I'm just trying to think. Who I Roman think they, is Roman going to come back and be one of them? Uh, I don't know how you recover from the mumps. I mean, I got a vaccine when I was eight years old or a teenager or something. I think so it's I only like two or three weeks, it. so he could be back in time and, yeah. and lead Raw. Get a shot of penicillin and get your ass back in the ring. You know, it, <laughs> Jesus. That's, yeah, I just, that's all. It, that's all it takes. Anyway. <laughs> Let's um <laughs> Nick no selling the Roman Reigns. Good lord, man. Yeah, so that, I think Roman will be the captain of the team. He'll come back and be the captain of the team and you know, yay, Roman's back. Push, push, push. And that'll be what it'll be. Well, that's Survivor Series. That's kind of what we know now, at least, of what, what is coming for Survivor Series. It'll be anxious to see what happens next week as far as invasion tactics and potential retaliations and blah, blah, blah. Maybe what happens on SmackDown. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But let's run down the card of what actually happened uh, tonight on Raw or this Monday night on the Raw. The rest of the show. Yeah. yeah we, well, we did have a rematch of Asuka versus Emma. And at first, I was wondering why they did this, and then I realized, you know what? Not everyone's bought the pay-per-view. Right. This rematch is just to show the people who watch Raw and don't buy the pay-per-view, hey, this is Asuka. And it was just as good. I was just as entertained. Uh, it was the match itself, I think, had it wasn't... And it lost a little bit of that something. It just wasn't it was just quite the new as good. We were all marking yeah. the hell out because she showed up. You know, it, it was virtually the same match. You know what I mean? Oscar yeah. comes out, gets some offense in. Emma beats her down. It was the WWE style of match. Yeah. Emma beats her down. Oscar comes back. Boom, done. Audience wasn't into it. They were in Green Bay and they're kind of, <laughs> you know, they're not a very good audience. So they they were kind of half into it. I I don't like these immediate rematch things. Uh, it, you know, just get Oscar to somewhere else. Have her start murdering people like that's what everyone wants to see. And it's it's always weirds us out where you bring up people and give them this legendary shine and then have them take, you know, take hits for most of the match. And they had to fight upwards the entire match. That's weird. You know, they did that with Nakamura, too, where he was you know promoted as this killer. And he comes out and has a 20 minute match where Dolph Ziggler is beating him down for 18 minutes. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of did that with Oscar here. You know, it's it's fine to make Emma look competitive, but I think she looked too competitive, especially after how long Emma has looked like a joke yeah. on Monday Night Raw. So anyway, that, this little nitpick there. Uh, we also saw Elias continue his feud with Jason Jordan. Uh, this was interesting because you had Elias once again get messed with while he was singing his song by the sound guy. We can speculate Jason Jordan was messing with the sound backstage, irritating him. They end up having a match and Elias gets himself disqualified by smacking the crap out of Jason Jordan with his guitar, <laughs> leaving a legit huge welt on his arm, I might add. Like, that looked nasty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Jason Jordan deserved it. What? He deserved it. He deserved to just finally, I mean, throwing vegetables on him at TLC three times, all of that stuff. He deserved it. Good, wow. good for it, you, Elias. This is WWE trying to get Jason Jordan over, and it's obviously not working for you. Nope, I'm. it's, it's getting me over for Elias. <laughs> Opposite effect uh, is happening. So. Yeah, well, we, I wonder if this feud will continue. I, I have a feeling this is going to be one that they're just running as something for these guys to do until Survivor Series. Yeah. I have a feeling that Jason Jordan will be on the, the five-man team, possibly Elias, Elias too. Elias is an interesting possibility to be on Team Survivor Series, Team yeah. Raw for Survivor Series. Yeah, I think he would be a good addition as yep. well. I think he'd be a very interesting addition. That would get him some shine for sure yeah speaking of survivor series matches we did find out who the women's captain was for the raw team yes, we did uh we had a, a three-way match between bailey sasha banks and alicia fox who 
came out of nowhere. We didn't see her for months and months and months, and all of a sudden, she's all over Raw TV and was even a part of the pay-per-view on the pre-show with Sasha Banks. Yeah. And Alicia Fox wins the three-way. Alicia Fox is your women's team captain. Huh? I, I'm down. I'm, I'm totally down. I mean, Alicia Fox, to me, is the women's side of the division uh, as uh, Aiden English. So they oh, can both Jesus. wrestle extremely well. They they haven't really gotten that opportunity yet. They're decent personalities, and they have great gimmicks and all of that stuff. Alicia with her psycho stuff and crazy five-head thing, and Aiden with his singing gimmick. I mean, their kind of archetypes are very similar. Alicia Fox's gimmick definitely is a love-it-or-hate-it gimmick. I love it. I love it. I think it's fine. I want to see that crazy fire going on. And just just her going nuts and even the ref, scaring the refs and you know all the people that are scaring involved, Kurt so. Angle and backstage and I everyone think, just not knowing what to do with her. I think her being the captain is something that came out of nowhere, but I'm kind of into it. Well, I think it could add an interesting twist. So to here's this the speculation team. because I, I, and we haven't mentioned this yet on this show, but in the wake of Neville walking out of WWE, it looks like. Uh, you know who else staged a little walkout, and we're not sure how acrimonious it was or not. Nia Jax. Well, this is all still kind of rumor. I want to temper this with we don't. Nobody knows yet. So what we do know is that Nia Jax did not want to come to a couple of shows because they wanted to have her lose to, I believe, Alexa Bliss or perhaps Mickey James. I'm, I'm, I have to look at my notes again. But the the fact of the matter is, she did. She was unhappy. Yeah. And this has been confirmed. Uh, another thing that was was speculated was that not speculated, but that was reported. Uh, I believe on Wrestling Observer was that she, you know, she's related to The Rock. Right. And she, you know, was like, hey, Rocky, what do I do? I don't like what they're doing. He said, just walk away and, and, and stand your ground. So it's what she's doing. Damn. She doesn't like how she was being booked. Uh, and I have a feeling that she was originally going to be in this match and she might have had a shot at Team Captain. Who knows? They def- I think they're rewriting this around the, the absence of Nia Jax. And you're seeing Foxy get a push because there's no Nia. Yes! I... You you all know how I feel about that, so I'm a, I am totally okay with it. Look, Nia couldn't wrestle her way out of a paper bag. Oh, you're Alicia so Fox wrong about that. Wrestle circles around around Nia Jax. I am totally fine with this. If it is truly an alternative to Nia Jax, and they're doing this to, to give her the finger, I don't know. I am all in on this. I saw Alicia fine. do some some moves in this match that were a little scary, a little botchy, and as, well, as, she doesn't weigh three hundred pounds and will hurt somebody when she does botch them. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. Jeez, uh, yeah, no, I think that uh, I think that having Alicia be the team captain, it has a lot of storyline possibilities. You have yes, a lot of interesting things that can come out of that. Uh, speaking of interesting storylines, they're doing some interesting stuff with the cruiserweight division, which once again was was showing up in the third hour on the show. We had a five on five. It was almost like a Survivor Series preview. We had a five on five match between Enzo and his new posse. And then all the good guys, Kalisto right. and his posse, essentially. This is promoting that they were going to have another championship match on 205 Live between Kalisto and Enzo. Uh, this was particularly entertaining because Enzo comes out with his posse and he still ha- we lost his voice slash maybe isn't quite as mute as we think he is. I think it might be a storyline thing now to stop having him be so over. Yeah. You know what I mean? And having his other guys do the lines for him. But that being said, they did the smartest thing possible and let Drew Gulak do Enzo's lines for him, reading it off of a clipboard and yes. doing it in the most just awkward white boy way possible. And it was freaking hilarious. His name is Enzo Amore, and he is a certified G and a bona fide stud. 
And you cannot teach that. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> it was, so it was good. golden, and everyone's reactions to it. It was super entertaining. I mean, if you question Enzo Amore being the focal point of the cruiserweight division, I can see why you would question it. But they are answering it in a way. It, this has been the most entertaining the cruiserweight division has ever been. He has injected the ability for so many of these guys to have characters and show off their characters. You had and five on five is a chaotic match. Not everyone gets to shine, you know. You, but you're going to have some people who step up, and people they're going to get themselves over. Drew Gulak is getting himself over with his gimmick because he's being allowed to show it off because of the whole Enzo angle. So there's definitely something to be said here for the cruiserweight division being focused around Enzo Amore and everyone starting to get a little bit more shine, a little bit more look because of him. Well, I think the thing about the cruiserweight division, if I, if I can speak in a, from a first-person perspective that I haven't gotten into it, is because I appreciate some of the dramatic outside the ring stuff that goes on in WWE. The, the cruiserweight stuff has always been just pure wrestling. Like there's, there's not been a lot of that from a story perspective, if you will, other than the individual feuds that were going on. So now that Enzo's over there, we're starting to get a lot of this other kind of stuff. That's been more traditional main roster, WWE tactics, the soap opera kind of stuff. Right. And I think that's getting some shine and bringing in some of the, non-purists that and the people that aren't really liking this stuff are the well, pure we just don't like we just want to see wrestling we don't we watch 205 live because we don't want to see any of that stuff we just want to see good wrestling but here was the problem is that when those people went to 205 live when it first started they were seeing crap like noam dar and alicia fox and their feud with cedric alexander or sorry rich swan and and sasha banks and then cedric alexander was was involved somehow the the horrible horrible high school uh, drama breakup, you know, the, the, that whole stuff was going on then, and it was freaking awful. Yeah, it was. They were trying to shoehorn, like originally with the, with the Cruiserweight uh, Classic, there was no story. There was almost no story. The only really story you had, you had like the Brian Kendrick comeback story. You'd have a little injections of some basic character stuff. Like characters were the story. Beyond that, there was it was just guys competing. And then you get to 205 Live and the soap opera stuff became so overwhelming and then the matches weren't living up to it now you're seeing good feuds on 205 live and at the highest level you're seeing enzo pointing out these guys are or are, are letting the these guys show off their characters that, they, that they've developed and you're able to have good storylines based on the characters these guys have developed for the wwe yeah so it's definitely come back around from it's a really rough start with its storylines. Now the storylines are much more entertaining. They're leaner, meaner. The characters are better. It's a much more watchable show. And Enzo is the conduit for that improvement. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Well, will the Cruiserweight division make an appearance at Survivor Series? That's still kind of up in the air with all of the titles and all of the big things. I mean, are they are they going to sneak in and get a match or two? Are we going to see a five-on-five five Survivor Series at 205 Live versus 205 Live? Could we see an actual Survivor <laughs> Series match from uh, from the Cruiserweight? That could be interesting. We kind of saw it on this Raw. This was a very entertaining Raw. I'm not going to split hairs at all. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed the angle of the invasion at the end. I thought it was fantastic. Will Raw retaliate on SmackDown Live? That's going to be one of the interesting through lines over the course of the next few weeks as we go back and through this but let's head over and find out what happened following the invasion on monday night raw over on smackdown live so over on smackdown live there was no 
raw retaliation this week. The entire show, we were anticipating it. We were shown entrances to the building. We were shown Shane kind of looking around and, and Daniel Bryan being, they're both nervous, like they're going to get attacked. No attack came. Nothing happened. Nothing, nothing happened this week. This week, and and obviously outside of kayfabe, I'm speculating is maybe they're maybe they're selling the raw guys are still beat down. Maybe raw is being tactical about it. Yeah, or maybe raw is being a little bit more face. And no, we're not going to fight back. You you go on. You you be the assholes. We're going to be the nice faces who just take it until we come kick your ass at Survivor Series. Who knows? I think the smartest thing to do would be to have raw come back and invade SmackDown at some point next week. Perhaps not not next immediately week? the next night. I, I think yeah. this is going to be a back and forth thing that happens over the course of the next four we weeks. Got four weeks. Yeah, they got plenty of time. Yep. Don't don't spoil it. Don't spend it all right now. We have time to build this. Let it escalate. Yeah. So I think that was the right decision. Uh, what I'm questioning as far as decision making is Shane's decision making uh, in kayfabe in storyline as far as attacking raw he came out in the and opened the show by explaining his actions and saying you know i've always been told to strike first if you're going to get into a fight blah 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 at the end of the day i did not feel that his explanation was adequate i don't it, either it made him come across like an arrogant dick yeah uh which I, I like i said earlier on our show today i don't think is the way to sell his character immediately after an whole, whole angle where your biggest heel was saying Hey, this guy is a dick. Well, you, now you're proving him right. You're proving your big heel right. It makes Kevin Owens look like more of a face now because he was right and and Shane was being a, a, a dick to him. And the same thing happens with Sami Zayn, who comes out in the middle of of Shane's speech, and is and Sami Zayn's whole point for turning heel was like, you know what, Shane, you told me if I came to SmackDown, you'd give me all these opportunities, and they never happened, and I never even saw you once I got here. Well, this was the first opportunity that these two have had in the ring since Hell in a Cell to address why Sammy did what he did to Shane. And Sammy was like, hey, bygones be bygones, no bad blood. Shane's like, no, there is. There's beef. We, yeah. We've got beef. I liked their chemistry. Here. I did too. It was good chemistry. This was actually once Sammy came out, this definitely picked up a lot. Uh, I think that the way that Sammy's selling his heel character is fantastic. Uh, he's doing this like like what he's been doing character-wise for about a year now, which I thought was annoying as a face, but as, as a heel, it's great. This kind of like annoying, nebbishy guy, yeah. uh, you know, hyper-analytical, motor-mouth character. It's great as a heel, and it's working well for him. And uh, But the problem is, is that I still, every time I see him and Shane, I'm still kind of thinking, oh, I'm kind of on Sammy's side with this because, yeah, Shane, according to the, your storyline that you're telling me, uh, Shane was holding you back. And now Shane's coming across as this kind of guy who really doesn't care that much about his people. Uh, he only cares about himself. That's the storyline I'm being told. Right. So it, it, this, was, this still isn't, eh, I'm nitpicking. I'm yeah. nitpicking. I was entertained, but I, I, the logic isn't quite lining up for me. Well, we also saw several times throughout the show uh, over the course of the night, uh, Daniel Bryan not really happy with Shane McMahon's decisions uh, that he did. And basically, Shane, Shane McMahon just said, look, executive executive decision. Yeah. I just did it. I don't need your permission. It's in my job title. Right. And Daniel Bryan threw that back in his face a couple of times. Yeah. I liked this. Yeah, me too. I liked them not being on the same page. I like Daniel Bryan being kind of the conscience 
of of the SmackDown brand and kind of pulling them back from being too heelish. And too be- McMahon-y. Well, and Shane is going a little McMahonish. There's there's a there's a whole we could talk an hour about my whole theory crafting around what's happening with Shane and how it's an evolution of him getting we, ready to potentially take over down the road and becoming that kind of arch kind of villainous CEO kind of leader of the entire company. The new authority. The new authority, if you oh, will, is a great God. I can see that coming. I don't want to get too deep into it right now because we have to talk I about SmackDown. I really hope your theory is wrong. But I see that coming. I feel it, and I feel like this is kind of a taste. We're getting a little bit of a tease of what that's going to be like because Shane has been this kind of fan favorite, super over thing that's been going Ever since on since he came back yeah and since he came back and it was i would i marked the hell out when the first time i heard here comes the money yeah everyone I'm did. in yeah. you know all of us so i see this as a bigger picture thing than just a brand heel turn kind of thing this is more about making shane a mcmahon well, and they are working in some shades of gray here, and I do like that. It's not just black and white. He's not a full heel. He's not a full face. Like There's shades of gray. I yeah. dig that. I dig that Daniel Bryan is being the voice of reason here and the dynamic that's going on there. I think they have a lot of interesting places to go with that. In addition, they're doing some great build for their five-on-five Survivor Series match. Their team, the blue team, the five men, uh, Shane said, look, I don't want Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens on my team because, well, I just came out of a feud with them and they screwed me over. Right. But you know what? Hey, Sammy, sure. It's a land of opportunity. You want an opportunity to be on the team. You're going to face Randy Orton. Whoever wins is on the team. I thought that was it didn't make a total amount of sense him saying I don't want you on the team but you know what I mean you're going to face Randy Orton and you could conceivably on the be on the team. Uh obviously this is a continuation of the match the tag match they had last week where Sammy beat Randy Orton with a low blow. Yeah. So later on the show Sammy has a match that has the match with, with Randy Orton and it was a really good match. It was very entertaining. Uh, yes. Randy apparently stepped up his game to work with Sammy because they they did a really great match. And the ending was great, too, with Kevin Owens coming out to supposedly distract the ref, but it instead, he distracts the ref, and instead of Sammy pulling off the low blow, Randy pulls off the low blow. Didn't see that coming. And then stares Kevin Owens in the eyes as... And then stares Kevin Owens in the eyes as he delivers the RKO one, two, three. Well, Randy, you do love being a heel more than you love being a face, <laughs> don't you? I don't think it matters anymore with Randy. No, he's just Randy Orton. Yeah, he's just Randy Orton. He's just he's the Viper. That's yep. what they do. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't give a crap. No. I think that's the bottom line. He doesn't give a crap. <laughs> Honey Badger doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so, the, real quick, I did like that Sammy was protected in this loss. Like he was protected against Randy Orton. This is such a big step up from where he was before. As far as Kevin Owens is concerned, obviously he didn't get a lot of TV time this week because he had some family issues he had to yeah. go deal with, but. He, I'm hoping he doesn't fade into the background with another friend angle. We just saw him come out of a friend angle. Now he's in another friend angle. I hope he doesn't fade into the background here. It seems to be kind of his kryptonite. You know, he's better solo. So I'm hoping that he and, he and Sammy spend some time together, but then go their separate ways at some point. Well, at, coming off the back of Hell in a Cell, where you just got to headbutt the hard way, Vince freaking McMahon, now you're going to get thrown right back in. I don't understand it either. I don't like the friend angles. I liked Jericho. I don't really like where they're going with this either. Oh, I was, want them both on their own. This is the thing. Kevin Owens' friends angles are better for the friends than they are for him. Totally. They're bad for him. It was great for Jericho. It's been it's been great so far for Sammy, but it's not helping Kevin Owens at all. So hopefully it doesn't hopefully they figure out something to do with it that doesn't make Kevin Owens kind of fade into the background. 
Well, as we had over on Raw, we had the women's match for to figure out who the team captain was going to be. We had the equivalent over on SmackDown Live as well. Only this was a, fi- a five-person match. It was yes. a five-lady match. Fatal five-way yep. match. Uh, very, very entertaining. I, I enjoyed this one quite a bit. It was it was chaos, that's for sure. Yes. I, I, I couldn't get quite get as into it for whatever reason. But well, It was uh, a spot fest. All, each of them were just getting their spots in, lots of outside the ring selling, and then all of a sudden Becky snuck in yeah. with an arm. How many of these have we seen, though, on SmackDown? Yeah. All the women, all the same five Let's women throw fighting. Throw them all on TV. Right? Yeah. Running theme for 2017. All the women standing in line talking to Daniel Bryan. It's yeah. in the backstage segment. <laughs> you know, it's just... Uh. Whatever. It, it was what it was. And then, uh, Becky ends up getting the win. She is your team captain for SmackDown. That is absolutely the right choice, in my opinion. Bingo. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, what else we got here? Baron Corbin facing off against... What, what is going on with Baron Corbin? And, why is Sin Cara in a feud with Baron Corbin? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is for Baron Corbin's benefit or Sin Cara's benefit, but Sin Cara now has... Two sort of wins over Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin got himself counted out last week and got himself DQ'd this week. I don't know if they're trying to tell us something about Baron Corbin's character here. Uh, and, and if they're doing it, like you've told us Sin Cara doesn't matter for the last year. And so why do we care about Sin Cara, you know, winning, beating Baron Corbin or getting beat down by Baron Corbin this week to the point where they had to DQ Baron Corbin? Like, I don't know. This doesn't, this doesn't make a ton of sense for me. It's not telling me a ton about Baron Corbin, except that he's like, I don't know what kind of heel they're trying to tell us. He is. He's I like, think they're trying to make him into kind of like the Miz to an extent. And he but, nowhere near the caliber and quality of the Miz, but I think there's the same kind of stuff going on here where he's not willing to lose the title. He'll do what it takes. DQs, count outs, all of that stuff. But, to to remain who has strong. Like I disagree. Is. This is not like the Miz at all in terms of a heel character. The Miz is much more of the kind of conniving, intelligent heel persona. Baron Corbin doesn't seem like he does things intelligently. He doesn't. He doesn't seem like he seems like he's more instinctual the way okay. that they're presenting him. Yeah. Um. He's not getting himself disqualified intentionally uh, to as as a as a, ta- as a tactic he's doing it because he's vicious and he just wants to beat up sin Cara and he doesn't care and that's really the thing that i'm getting that's out of this fair. is they're they're showing us a character that really doesn't give a crap but it's not clean enough it's not a clean enough telling of that and I, and they're taking a while to kind of get that across and they're doing it in some ways that are messy uh because then he's beating aj styles clean so wait, what is he? Is he a guy who's a monster heel or is he a guy who doesn't give a shit and, and just will lose matches right and left? Is he a guy who's kind of dumb as AJ Styles wants to point out and says he takes shortcuts to get everywhere? Like what exactly is he? It's, it's just kind of muddled right now and this didn't help it at all. You know, that's a good point. You know, beating AJ Styles clean and then coming off of that to losing to Sin Cara twice. twice. Yeah. Well, I, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't, I don't know. I think it's just treading water to oh, try what? to develop his heel character a little more leading to the match with Miz. It'll be interesting to see how it develops. I'm not terribly mad at it. It just makes no sense whatsoever. It just was kind of there. Yeah. Something that wasn't just there was the match between the New Day and Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. This is not what I expected. Really? What did you expect? uh, I expected Usos facing off against uh, American Alpha 2.0. No, no, no. That's the thing. American Alpha, now they they are the number one contenders, so we're building to that match. Oh, I got you. So this was a, this was to determine who the number one contender was. No, no, no. We had that. We had that a week or two ago I where they had so. the, the the four way four way tag. tag match. Yeah. yeah, and so that's when they. So became, why are they fighting the new day? Oh, this is just to make sure that they look strong before they go to the Usos. Okay. Yeah, 
That's all. That's all. Really, all this was. And but interestingly enough, and they did beat the New Day. Yes, but they did it a little heelishly. You had Shelton Benjamin on the apron kick. I believe it was Xavier in the back, and then uh, Chad gets the roll up on him. One, two, three. So that was it. Maybe it was Kofi. Either way, it was. The point was is that they didn't win entirely clean. I don't know if that was to protect New Day or if that was to tell us something about American Alpha Two Point but it was definitely interesting, and it was very much called out on commentary. Yes, Usos, it was. Usos were sitting at commentary, and they said, "Hey, man, we're just going to cheat better than them." And I thought that was an interesting line. Huh? I wonder what that's telling us. The question now is, when is this title shot going to be? Because obviously, it's going to—it's not going to be after Survivor Series. That's way too long to let this simmer. I would imagine it's in the next couple of weeks. Will the Usos retain to go into Survivor Series? Hmm. I honestly don't know. Because I think they're leaving money on the table if they give it to American Alpha before Survivor Series. Usos versus Ambrolin sounds way better. It just at this point, with the kind of legitimacy that Usos have gotten over the last six months with their feud with New Day. Oh, I see what you're saying. The, you know, the title versus title match at Survivor Series. Totally. Yes. That's the match I want to see. I want to see Shield versus Usos. Yeah. Period. That's... That's what I want to see. And like, like we were saying, there's a lot of time between now and then. There's a lot of things that could happen with these titles. We were saying Baron Corbin might drop his title. I think Natalia might drop her title to possibly Cormella or Charlotte, Charlotte. between now and then. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot that could happen with these titles between now and then. But this is one title I don't think should go anywhere. I agree. Now, speaking of titles going places, we also had AJ Styles, who has been gunning for Jinder Mahal in the last week or two. He had a match against Sunil Singh because apparently he needed a reward after flying for 18 hours to face Finn <laughs> Balor and then do a talk show and then be on Raw in a big slobber knocker match. This was like this was his vacation match. He came here's in. Here's your dessert. Here's your dessert. You're going to beat Sunil Singh in 30 seconds and tap him out to your calf crusher. Uh, and then it next, looked like he almost broke his leg in half. He, it he, was vicious. It was. It looked really good. AJ definitely came off looking like a monster after he beat this kid. And next week, he's going to get Samir Singh. So we're going to see another just slaughter next week. Uh, Jinder got kicked out of ringside, so AJ just had them all to himself. But AJ's been gunning for Jinder. Does Jinder drop the title to AJ? Do we see Brock versus AJ? Stop is it. that now? That's a Woof. little better sounding than gender, isn't wood. it? Stop it. That's a little better sounding. Oh, that's a Ex- lot yeah. better sounding. <laughs> Except you know AJ ain't beating Brock. No, I don't think so. You know, because it's got to be Reigns. Uh, well, that's you know? what I'm saying. It's like, is that better if, if for some reason, and I think it's it would be ludicrous, by the way, to drop the title to AJ on a SmackDown live show before Survivor Series after all the things that gender has done to retain this championship. I don't think there's any way AJ takes it, but how do they get themselves out of this pickle? Do they have, do they just not have a championship match between AJ and Jinder until later on, until uh, whatever their one in December is? Uh, Clash, Clash of Champions. Of Champions yeah. do, they, do, they, do we wait until then to see AJ versus Jinder? Because that's a long freaking time. Yeah, it's not terribly long. It's four, five weeks, six weeks. So, I mean, that's, but I mean, Jinder's. Oh, no, had, it's like eight weeks away. Jinder's ha- eight weeks is Christmas. Gender, gender's had it since what May? I'll tell you what. If AJ finally beats Gender and takes the title off him, it will be Christmas. It will be. It'll Christmas. be Christmas in my house. Woo! I'll tell you what. 
Uh, yeah, I don't see AJ taking off a gender, but it's interesting to speculate about. I think it's just something to keep gender occupied until then and to keep AJ occupied until then. I think we are going to have a title match before we get to Survivor Series. I think that we had Sunil this week. We're going to have Samir next week, and then we're going to have AJ facing gender. Or you have AJ facing both of them. Maybe all three. What, maybe both of them in a handicap. Well, that if he faces gender, it is going to be all three. Right, so. fair. So, but do I think the title will change hands? No. I think we will have a championship match. I think you have gender go over AJ just to show his strength leading to the match going into Survivor Series against Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I don't want that to happen. I am scared that that is what's going to happen. Right, and, and maybe it's a way to do it just to prove Paul Heyman wrong. You know what I mean? You can have Paul promoting it as though gender isn't worthy, but then show us that gender is worthy by beating AJ Styles. Correct. So that yes. might be what they're trying to do. Uh, speaking of other things on SmackDown, we need to talk about fashion dogs there right now. Fashion files is going through a Quentin Tarantino phase <laughs> and I freaking love it. Not that I've ever really been down on fashion files. I, this, this is just everything I love in fashion files, all the little inside jokes and everything. It's totally still funny to me. It doesn't have the same kind of, sparkle and pep that it did at the at the beginning where we were just like what the actual hell are they doing like we kind of start we've, we've figured it out now yeah but now they've added the ascension the ascension are regularly on the show every week and they are bringing so much f- like new fresh fun aspects to it that it, 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 i'm still loving it. it's borderline turned into scooby-doo to an extent of just the mystery kit machine and all of them trying to figure out these wacky mysteries and shit but it's it's also it's like scooby-doo meets a show that's just all pop culture references. Like yeah. there's so many in jokes in every one of these episodes, really subtle ones too. And that's actually what I appreciate the most about it yeah. is it's really smart humor in the middle of all the dumb humor. Uh, some of the references were really deep and, and some of them were really kind of juvenile. Like, you know, the briefs being in the briefcase. Yeah. I thought that was cute. They were all, oh, it was disgusting. And then you had, uh, you know, the, 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 the Ascension. I love that the Ascension have already figured out the, the, the case. Bludgeon Brothers, Bludgeon, yeah. Two B, Bludgeon Brothers. Obviously, the Bludgeon Brothers. And they're like, no, it's, that's only one B. Like, the no, B is silent. B, B Bludgeon, B Brothers. Yeah, the, the B is silent. <laughs> a little Django Unchained reference. Right. I, that's, it's great, man. It's, it's a lot of fun still. I still look forward to it every freaking week. And apparently next week we're getting Stranger-er. Stranger-er things. So Which was a nice call out because the, um, the, the new season of Stranger Things starts this Coming Friday yeah, on the 27th. A couple days. Yep. Couple days. So that's, that's really smart. Yep. That'll get them their YouTube hits. That's Stranger for Earth damn things. sure. Because here's the thing. <laughs> fashion Files are big on YouTube. Yeah. So, I mean, that's almost, I think, one reason why it's still on the show is they know it's just, that's going to be, that's the YouTube clip we put up and boom, million hits. Well, a couple of things to finish the show off here for SmackDown Live. Uh, apparently, we're going to get... We had a big promo between Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. They're going to face off next week. Yep. We're going to get to see that match in a two out of three falls Two out falls of three falls. Match. I'm down. I'm, I'm so down. I'm into this. All right, Dolph, you've been talking this big in-ring performer game. Let's see it. Right? This, for, for a few that started in the worst possible place with Dolph Ziggler's god-awful promos, this has ended up being a feud I am down to see. Me too. Uh, you know? Just I'll, Why is Roode a face? I digress. You know why? You know why this is good. Like, <laughs> despite all of the stuff that it came into with Dolph talking about the entrances, this has come down to two guys wanting to see who is better in the ring. Yeah, which is the, that is the essence of wrestling right there. That's yeah. the essence of what every storyline in wrestling should be about. You strip away all of the excess nonsense. It should be about two badass dudes finding out who's more badass. Yep, and that's what this has become. I'm so down. Bring it on. Rusev and Aiden English are. Gonna become a tag team? This is a rumor. It's a rumor. A rumor they might officially hearing? make them think about it. Who else you got in the tag division right now? 
What if they became a legit tag team? Uh, American Alpha 2.0 and Mojo and um, the Hype Bros. Zack Snyder, Hype Bros. And, yeah. and then Zack Snyder. I keep calling him Zack Snyder. Snyder. Yeah, because I don't know. Justice League and all that stuff. I don't know. I would actually prefer to Zach see Zack Ryder. I would prefer to see Zack Ryder direct those movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. I think that Rusev and English have a place in the tag team division. They'd be a great team to face off against the New Day. Now that the New Day ain't really doing anything. Mm. Mm, imagine those matches. Mm. I would be down. You guys know I love Rusev and Aiden English, so I'm all over that. Every day is Rusev Day. As far as I'm concerned, Rusev Machka. There, there was a poster at TLC, uh, TLC in the third or fourth row. The guy kept holding it. It was a white poster. It just kept saying, Happy Rusev Day. That's, that was me. That was you. Oh, was, you were at TLC? I was there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't know you went to Minnesota this weekend. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's oh. why I was so tired. It was a red-eye flight. <laughs> that whole 18 hours, you coming back, you just made it just in time, right? Just in time. Much like AJ, <laughs> yes. I am a plain warrior. Well, when will Raw retaliate is the big question coming out because it didn't happen tonight, even though it was hinted at and seeded throughout the entire show with back and forth between Shane and Daniel Bryan. It did not happen this week on SmackDown, which is probably good. Probably good that it didn't. It saves some room for the following weeks for this to begin to go back and forth. So how will they retaliate? Well, this is the interesting thing, because now we've been through the show. They didn't retaliate. So we're going to see Raw's reaction to their beatdown next week on Raw before we see the next SmackDown. So we might get a setup for when they're going to retaliate, how they're going to retaliate, what they're thinking before we see the next SmackDown. So we might we might have a bit more of an idea after we see the next Raw. But the beauty of the SmackDown invasion was that we had no idea this was Correct. coming. So I would not, if I were, I would not go out there and telegraph what I was going to do. Except that if they do telegraph, it's going to drive viewership to SmackDown. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? So if Raw says we might do this, we might do it next week, you're going to have more people starting tuning into SmackDown because they're going to wonder when the Raw invasion is going to happen. Or if Raw straight up telegraphs it, we're just going to go straight at them tomorrow night then people are going to jump over to SmackDown. And both brands' numbers have been up. Yeah. So it's only going to be better for them if they have if, if they keep this going. I don't think Raw should wait too long to retaliate or it's going to seem a little silly. It's going to seem drawn out. I think they should keep this quick and brutal. Yeah. And they've got plenty of time to, to add all the other little flavors in. But yeah, I, I'm very curious to see. They've done a very good job because I want to see more of what they're doing. And that's the whole point. That's what they should be going for is keeping me invested week to week. And that's what they've done this week is make me curious about what's happening in the future. Well, the interesting thing about Survivor Series is that we know 90% of the matches already, other than the auxiliary ones that are going to happen. We know almost the whole card already. So they have to spend the next four weeks doing this because there's no feuds to build up between the two individual uh, competitors. Yeah, you're going to have the two brands facing off against each other, and we're going to have the, the all the men who are in the five-way get set up. Yeah. We, we pretty much know who the women are going to be in their five-way. But the five-on-five men's uh, match, that's the one that we're going to have the most time spent on. Obviously, we still don't know who's going to be uh, for SmackDown. We know, we know that Randy Orton's in it. He's probably going to be the team captain. Uh, next week, Kevin Owens faces off against Nakamura, and whoever wins that gets to be on the team. I think we can all speculate it's going to be Nakamura. Right. Uh, so, you know what? We're going we're gonna to see over the next few weeks who's making up these teams. So I think that's gonna be a, there's going to be time spent on that, plus the, the overall brands fighting against each other. Well, we've got four weeks to go, three weeks now technically after we record uh, this week. So we'll, we've got three more weeks of this build to continue on. So I'm excited. I'm stoked. Oh. Yep, they're doing a great job. Yeah, they're doing a great job at this. So, with that, all of that said, we need to head over and talk about 
What's going on in the wide world of wrestling? All right, so starting off with still some more WWE content, we got to talk about NXT. They are preparing for TakeOver War Games. Is it TakeOver Houston with a War Games match? I, or think, what it's, is the, I think it's TakeOver War Games in Houston. TakeOver. Yeah, I don't know. It's TakeOver War Games in Houston. Whatever. We're getting a <laughs> lot of matches set up for this. This week, we really started seeing the card coming together. The, the, the War Games match itself is probably going to be the main event, and right now it's looking like the Undisputed Era against Authors of Pain against Sanity, and we saw a potential additional addition. Additional additional addition? Additional addition. Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Uh, In Roderick Strong, who might be joining the Undisputed Era uh, at the end of this show this week. So this could be an absolutely insane match. If you're going to bring back War Games, this is the way to do it. So for those that don't know, War Games is a giant cage with two full-size rings inside of it with four teams. Basically, no DQ, anything goes, whooping the shit out of each other. It's just madness. Yeah, it is absolutely insane. So if you've never seen one of the old classic WCW War Games events, it's nuts. Be ready, because this is going to be one of the highlights of this year, in my opinion, in wrestling. Especially because these teams are involved in it. Yes. This is going to be absolute yes. chaos. Oh, God. It's going to be chaos. Speaking of chaos, we had a battle royale this week to determine who the fourth woman in the women's four-way to get the uh, currently vacant women's title. Uh, we saw this uh, battle royale happen, and a last-minute addition to the battle royale was Nikki Cross. Because William Regal determined that when she was interfered with uh, in her match earlier, right. that that did that invalidated that loss, so she should get another shot at it. And of course, she won. Of course. So now Nikki Cross is your fourth woman. It's gonna she's gonna join uh, Ember Moon, Peyton Royce, and Kyrie Sane to. Uh, they're gonna face each other in a women's four way at a takeover for the women's championship. You, That's gonna be an awesome you match up too. An interesting point where now the entire globe almost is represented because you've got the UK and Nikki Cross. You've got uh, Kyrie Sane representing Asia, mm-hmm. right? You've got Peyton Royce uh, representing Australia, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And Ember Moon, I'm assuming U.S. U.S. Representation. So it was yeah something I noticed when I was when I was watching the show. I was like, you know, they have women from all over the world in one match. Like, well done. And they're not making a big deal out of it. Right. It just is kind of there. It's, very, it's a cool thing. That's a almost a side effect, but it's a it's a it's very well done. And it's four women that can wrestle their asses off. That's one two top of the card. That is huge. That's going to be awesome. Uh, also this week we saw Andrade Cien Almas defeating Roderick Strong to become the number one contender for Drew McIntyre's championship belt. Now, how did that work? Because Roderick Strong was the number one contender, but he didn't get his match yet. Well, but he How lost. Did... He did have his match. Remember, he lost to Drew McIntyre. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yes. he lost to Drew McIntyre. Sorry, I did that whole Cabo thing last week, and it kind of wiped my memory. Yeah, you, you, the, all the coronas just right. burned out your brain cells. All that lime. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, yeah, so this is interesting. So now Cien Almas is the number one contender. He's going to have a match against Drew McIntyre at TakeOver. Uh I don't see CN picking up the W here. No. I'm afraid. As much as they have rehabbed him and they've they've brought him back into prominence and he's he's going to have a huge career now. I don't see him beating Drew at this point. I think too Drew soon. it's too soon. Drew's going to hold that belt for a while. Yeah, well, Drew's going to hold on to that way past takeover uh next month. I, I just I don't see th- 
Yes, great. It's a title shot. You can notch that on your resume. Fine. It ain't it ain't leaving Drew McIntyre for a long time. No, I don't think Drew's going to lose. And you know who else I don't think is going to lose? There's another feud that's building in NXT, and that's Velveteen Dream versus Alistair Black. Uh, this week we saw Velveteen ambush Alistair on his way into the ring, tie him up on the ropes, slap him about the face saying, say my name. And then Alistair gets free, almost kicks his head off, and they have a little stare down. Uh, I Do you really see Velveteen being the guy to break Alistair's undefeated streak? No. No, no. Well, I mean, we're both Alistair Marks, so it's it's hard for us to really call it. But <laughs> even if I even if I did think it could happen, I'm still not going to make that call. Alistair Black can't lose. He can't lose, or it breaks down the whole silent killer, viciousness, unstoppable monster that he is. I'm going to play devil's advocate and say there is absolutely a way they could book this match where Alistair could lose and still come out of it looking strong. Could Velveteen pull a trick on him really quickly, get one over, bang, 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 and run out of the ring? Yep. Yeah, I think that could happen. And I, and I think... And it, I think it, it keeps him strong in the loss. Sure. Sure, I could see that going down, but I... No, clean, and I think, clean win over that. I, don't I think, think it's Alistair will be more interesting if he takes the, the the L and you don't have that you know lossless thing over him, and then you can be more an interesting character and have more fun with it as opposed to always having to have him win. Mm-hmm. So, well, at the end of NXT, after all of those matches, we had a moment uh, after the Roderick Strong match against Cian Almas. We had the Undisputed Era come out, and Adam Cole took his armband with their logo off. And offered it to Roderick Strong, and he took it. You did. Is Roderick is Roderick Strong going to be the newest member of the Undisputed Era? I I think he will be, and I if not a hundred percent member, then he's. I think he's going to be involved in the main event of War Games. I think he'll be inside that cage in those two rings. That's that's my speculation. Yes, I, th- I agree with that, and I'm excited for that because as we've always said, you can put Roderick in the ring and expect magic because that guy is fantastic in the ring. Well, I didn't get to see it this week, but uh, let's head over and talk about 205 Live really quick. What happened over on 205 Live? Any more developments around uh, Enzo and what's going on? Yeah, well, Enzo and Kalisto had their championship rematch. Once again, Enzo wins via DQ. Uh, (laughs) So he retains. I know, shocker. Uh, So it looks like Kalisto's out of the title picture and Enzo retains, and he's still your champ, which, as I said earlier, he should be. He should be. He's revitalizing, or he's actually making the division relevant at all. So you have to keep the title on him. Um, I think the only reason they took it off was for two reasons. One, to introduce Kalisto to the the, the division. And yeah. two, just kind of like a middle finger to Neville. Uh, well, as, did, as petty as that was. You did and bring up that they have now removed his image or his little cut clip whatever from the intro to 205 live yeah that like opening crawl to 205 live where they have all the images flash of all the members uh neville no longer a member of mm. that uh of that opening thing so yeah it, it definitely looks like neville is gone in uh, all of my years of being a wrestling fan i've learned one thing and it's that you don't want to be on the wrong side of vince mcmahon in the wrestling business and i'm wondering if neville has made the right decision here. well here's the thing vince mcmahon has also shown that if the money is right, he'll forgive anybody. Sure. He'll, he'll mend fences with anybody if he thinks that it's in his best interest financially. So I don't think that this is Neville burning bridges per se. I think that this is just make him making a business decision and walking away. And Vince has shown that he respects that in the past. People have done this before uh, under worse circumstances and screwed Vince McMahon over more, and Vince has still brought him back. So Neville could go out 
raise his profile, become even more famous, especially with the skill set that he's developed in WWE, come back in a couple of years and be an even bigger star. I don't think this has screwed him over at all. Well, outside of the Enzo feud that's going on at the top of the Cruiserweight card, what else is going on in uh, in 205 Live these days? Well, as you probably saw on the TLC pay-per-view, there is a, a feud going on between Cedric Alexander uh, and Rich Swan, and then uh, Gentleman Jack Gallagher and the Brian Kendrick. Uh, that went a little bit further this week with Kendrick and Gallagher saying, look, we got a match against Rich Swan next week. Cedric, you should turn to the dark side. You got one week to figure it out if you're going to do it or not. So Cedric is teasing huh. a heel turn a little bit. Don't do it, Cedric! Uh, which I think it could be interesting. No. Nice, a nice little stable of Gallagher, Kendrick, and Cedric kicking people's asses. I'm down. Uh. Um, another little feud going on, Drew Gulak and a returning Akira Tozawa. As you might recall, Drew Gulak injured Tozawa a couple of weeks ago. Right. Tozawa is back. Drew Gulak tried to do his PowerPoint presentation. He was going to start over from one because he only got to like, I think, eight <laughs> out of his 237 or whatever it is slides. Uh, but Tozawa came back, kicked his ass. So that feud is back on. One of the most entertaining feuds on this show. And in the WWE, Drew Gulak is a treasure. So, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, too. Well, let's head over to the other side of the planet and talk about what's going on in New Japan. They've got their Power Struggle event coming up on November 5th here in about a week. Yeah, and it looks like a pretty good card, too, considering that we are definitely, we are, we are on the final road to Wrestle Kingdom. We, yes. That, that card is starting to settle. We know the top of the card right then is going to be uh, uh, Kazuchika Okada versus uh, Naito, which I'm just, come on, I'm over the moon for that. It's, Why do we uh, have to wait so long for that? Dude, It's Naito has had a four-year road to get back to this point. Uh, you know, from when the fans started turning on him, he had to go to Japan and join La Sombra and become one of the Los Ingobernables and then bring that stable back to Japan. And now he's, he's raised his profile and gotten back into the main event, you know, conquered his demons, finally beat Kenny Omega in the finals of the G1, which he couldn't do the year before. It's been a long road back. Naito versus Okada. And as a quick aside, I think it's really cool, actually, that in the same time frame that you have Tetsuya Naito going for the IWGP heavyweight champion, you have his buddy, La Sombra, one of the, other, one of the guys who founded Los Ingobernables, going for the championship in NXT. That's kind of cool. Uh, but anyway, so at Power Struggle, we're going to have uh, the IC championship on the line between Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. This could be interesting because based on who wins this, we might see what Kenny Omega's match is at Wrestle Kingdom. Everyone's speculating it's going to be against Kota Ibushi, but that's going to build up really quickly if that's the case. Hmm. Uh, I have a feeling. So you're thinking Ibushi Omega at at Wrestle Kingdom? I think everyone wants that. We want we want the the Golden Lovers to come back together and and have a match again. You know, but uh, will Tanahashi play a part in this? Is it going to be Omega Tanahashi? Like, what? What's the plot? We still have a couple of months, and you know, before January, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna happen quick. Um, I personally, I think Tanahashi's going to retain here, but we'll see. It could go either way. Uh, Ibushi would make a good IC champ. Uh, I'm also excited for the Will Osprey Marty Skrull match for the junior heavyweight belt. That's going to be an uh, awesome match as well. Um, as you know, we're big fans of Will Ospreay, and Marty Skrull is our boy. So that's going to be a one to watch. And then the other match that I'm really excited for, just because this feud has literally been going on for years, uh, Minoru Suzuki versus Toru Yanu in a bull rope death match for the never open weight belt. I, I, so this, this is a somebody's going to die match. This is well, every time Suzuki gets in the ring, so, yeah. someone might die. He the, what at, at the road to power struggle, he took a young lion, wrapped the cable around his neck, threw him over the top rope and hung him from the top rope until the kid stopped moving. So, 
<laughs> it's like Suzuki's gimmick is just murdering people. That, that's why I was so scared for him to face off against Cody. No, Cody! He'll kill you! <laughs> He'll kill you, Cody! He's a killer. <laughs> no! Well, what's great about this is to- so Toru Yanu has, has basically been beating Suzuki for years. Suzuki just can't seem to get a win over Toru Yanu. Toru Yanu is obviously, he's a goofy guy. Right. But you know, he's, also, he's legit, but he tries to cheat to win. That's all he does. A bull rope to... death match, Well, though? so this is the thing. They... <laughs> This is what Suzuki what wanted, it's so that Toriano can't get away from him because he keeps oh, he Toriano keeps like getting the low blows in or you know or whatever it is, some sort of distraction, and then he gets a win and runs away. And most lately, he ran away holding the belt, Suzuki's belt. Suzuki was chasing him down the halls. So this is this is Suzuki's way of saying you're not getting away from me this time. Oh, oh boy! So. Toriyano might die. Rest in peace, Toriyano. It's nice, <laughs> nice watching your your career. <laughs> nice watching your DVDs. Well, speaking of rest in peace, uh, moment of silence necessary as Lucha Underground has oh. come to at least for now has come to cl- a close. Yes, uh, we saw the end of Ultima Lucha Trace, their final tournament, and what a season finale that was. Oh my God! I, I mean. Here's the thing. If there is never another episode of Lucha Underground, this might go down as one of the biggest unresolved cliffhangers in entertainment history. Mm. This was unbelievable. You saw... uh, So we had the championship match between Johnny Mundo and Prince Puma. Prince Puma picks up the victory... Then Pentagon Dark comes out, breaks his arm, and has a match with him. Has a, immediately has, cashes in his gift of the gods, has a match with him, and due to Vampiro's interference, beats him, and Prince Puma immediately uh, loses the title to Pentagon Dark, and because his champion, his his career was on the line in the match as well, he took off his mask and left the building. Oh. He's out. People were crying. Prince Puma was retired by Pentagon Dark, who is now your Lucha Underground champion. Yeah. And then on top of that, there was this whole, uh, I don't know what to call it better than like a a whole lore segment at the end where they showed a bunch of clips of everybody. I mean, stuff like Vibora getting decapitated by Daga, who has now rejoined the reptile tribe. Uh, You saw... uh, Phoenix and Melissa Santos leaving the building together. They're like happy little couple now. Oh. But then in addition, you had Dario Cueto in his office. He got shot. What? To death. So Cueto's dead. Possibly. <laughs> Obviously, you know, no one's ever really dead on this Puma's show. Puma's the champ, but pulled off his mask and quit? And left. He's out. No, Puma's not the champ anymore. Pentagon Dark's oh, the Pentagon champ. Oh, Pentagon Dark's the champ, yeah. but Puma Puma's left. gone. Puma's his career, his career is right? over. Oh. And now King Cuerno has the evil gauntlet. Yeah, the whole thing just ended on on a huge cliffhanger. By God, it's madness. Yeah, it was it was insane. If we never see a season four, I'm going to be freaking furious. So come on, guys, get it but together. But if you don't, what a way to go out with that. What Ultima a way to Lucha go. Ultima Trace tournament that they've had over the last month is spectacular. insane. That's some Absolutely of the best insane. wrestling on TV. Speaking of unable to keep their shit together, Jeff Jarrett was unable to compete in an indie event uh, this last week. Because apparently he was just too drunk. He passed out in the locker room. And oh. and in addition to his woes, actually, or perhaps the reason he had the woes in the first place, so Global Force Wrestling and Impact have split again. So basically, Impact now has nothing to do with Jeff Jarrett's promotion. Uh, they're going to split the belts apart again. <sighs> the, the TNA, Impact, whatever you want to call it, Anthem, they Anthem just cannot now, right? catch a freaking break. Uh, Vince just needs to write a check and get those superstars and put them in development and put them on rosters so we can have and the ones that need that deserve to have careers. They need no WWE. You know, I, I'm not big on WWE eating up its competition because we've found that it's bad for for the the, the product. But here's an instance where I want WWE. I want 
I want WWE to have the TNA library. I want to see the last 11 years of Kurt Angle's career. I want to see the rise of AJ Styles. I want to see Samoa Joe's career. I want Matt Hardy to be able to get his gimmick back. I want them to own it. TNA is not doing anything with it. That's a dead brand. They're, they're hemorrhaging viewers. You know what I mean? That, that's one. Eat them up. Take their tapes. Let's see that stuff on the network. Yeah, blow, throw it onto the network. You instantly bring over an audience that was watching uh, TNA, Anthem, whichever one they're called now, coming over to the network to watch not only your WWE programming, but all the TNA yeah. stuff as well. If you want to watch TNA, if you want to watch TNA, just watch NXT. It's pretty much TNA at this yeah. point, yeah. as is half of the main roster. Speaking of things that were worth watching, this last weekend, I wasn't able to go to it and it killed me, but PWG, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, had its all-star weekend. Apparently, another incredible show. Two nights of incredible wrestling. Meltzer gave another match of five stars. Wow. Uh, you had Walter versus Zack Sabre Jr. that apparently was a five-star match. Oh, wow. I have to go watch that one. Uh, dude, that, that sounds like the most... Meltzer has said this year, 2017 has been the most high-quality wrestling in one year in his entire 30-year career. I believe that. Of looking at wrestling. I believe that. That's incredible. Like Whether you agree with Meltzer's ratings on a general basis or not, this is still a guy, like, and I've said it before, this is a guy who has a very long history of watching a ton of wrestling. He says this is the best year of wrestling in history. I'm inclined to, on the average, I'm inclined to believe the man. After the G1 and after... The PWG stuff we went to and the matches we saw that night, the developments of between both brands of WWE, NXT getting a rise. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, one, two, and three. Plus, uh, plus a lot of there's been a lot of good matches in WWE. I mean, you look at the AJ Styles versus Cena, or just this last weekend, Finn Balor versus AJ was still a solid match. You know, it's across the board. It's been absolutely insane, and you can even look at smaller smaller brands and see the incredible stuff that they've had. Uh, so in, real quick, more things on the PWG, the chosen brothers, which is Jeff Cobb and Matt, and Matt Riddle are the new tag champs. They beat the Lucha brothers of, uh, Penta El Zeto M and Phoenix. And then Ricochet, our boy Ricochet is your new PWG champion after, after beating Chuck Taylor. Yes, but that's not all. That's oh? not all. We have to talk about Ricochet for a quick moment to kind of close out the show here. The big news is that he has now informed all indie promoters that he is not accepting any more promotions after January, which coincidentally lines up with a certain non-compete that he has in place for, I believe, Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground. Hmm. Yeah, in addition... Are we getting King Ricochet to come to the WWE finally? So this is the speculation. There, He has said he's not going anywhere. And he said that winning the title this weekend at PWG is proof he's not going anywhere. That being said, uh, Meltzer has said that he thinks Ricochet will go to the WWE. The WWE is very interested in Ricochet for many obvious reasons. Right. Uh, his non-compete ends after the next major PWG event in January. So he theoretically could drop the belt at that event. The belt isn't keeping him in PWG by any stretch. He could drop it at that event and then immediately go to WWE. And the fact that he's not picking up any bookings could be indicating that he is considering those options, that he's keeping those options open, or it could mean that things are in the works and it's a done deal and he just can't talk about it because no one ever talks about it. Adam Cole didn't talk about it. the, The Young Bucks wrote him off as dead on being the elite. So... Yeah, it's. I don't think if he had something lined up, he would say. 
And I think this is just him kayfabe and, and doing a work and saying, I'm not going anywhere. And him just having that loyalty to PWG and saying, yeah, yeah I'm champ for as long as I'm going to be champ. I, I think he's coming. I think we might see him even in NXT. Yeah. The question is, does he keep his name and his gimmick or do they change him up into something else? Don't know. Mm. Well, he's had so many different ones across the different promotions that he's working with. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty much just been ricochet, you know, King ricochet and then Prince Puma, Prince Puma and Lucha Underground. So yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll see. It'll yeah. be interesting. Anything else happened over on uh, in progress? Uh, nothing, nothing that I can think of off the top of my head in progress. Although I did see something interesting. Uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., who you might have seen on Lucha Underground. He's a huge star in CMLL uh, and AAA. Excuse me, AAA. Uh, he recently unmasked at, an, at a major event uh, down in AAA. He's now having a match against the legendary L.A. Park, La Parca from WCW, who's been around mm. forever. Uh-huh. The, the, the chairman of WCW. Right. I vaguely remember that. Name. Yeah. Uh, well, smokes. they're having a mask versus hair and beard match. Is this a La Parca retirement match? Is that I what we're building to? I don't know. I can't. La Parca's one of those guys I can't ever see unmasking. You know what I mean? Like, wow. I can't imagine him possibly unmasking. I could see Wagner shaving his head and his beard, sure. although, you know, maybe, maybe he wants to get away from his most interesting man in the world look. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so the possible L.A. Parca unmasking. That's that's mm, that's a big deal. Well, guys, that's been our show for this week. Uh, look, hope you enjoy this new format. A little more rapid fire. Got through things a little bit quicker. That's kind of how we're going to try things over the next few weeks. Uh, let us know your feedback. We kind of want to know what you guys think. We kind of dig it this way. We think it's the Goldilocks. Uh, you can find us over on Facebook. Come join our Busted Wide Open discussion group. You can also find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Or you can send us an email. Maybe we'll read it here on the show. BWO at orbitaljigsaw.com or go to iTunes leave us a five star review make sure that you subscribe hit the subscribe button tell your friends uh, leave a review tell us what you like about the show what you think we could improve on ways that we could get better and give you things that you want to hear we're open to suggestions and we'd love to hear them if you'd like to buy some swag and help support the show there's two ways to do that one you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar maybe sign up to do your own shoot promo and we'll play it here on the show that sounds like a lot of fun or you can head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store pick up some sweet swag t-shirts hoodies stickers coffee mugs notebooks you name it it's a probably on there iphone cases oh i even iphone cases yes. yes sorry android guys i don't know if they have them for androids but I'm sure they do i'm nick howell you can find me over on twitter at data center dude and i'm sir ian dangerous you can find me on twitter at sir ian dangerous but by god would somebody stop the damn match This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.